0: God bless you all, and uh, today's lesson's not going to be very long because chapter 13 of Romans is a short chapter, (laughs) unless we go on a lot of (laughs) rabbit trails. So we're going to open up with Romans 13, and we'll read the first three verses. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from god and those which exist are established by god therefore whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of god and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves for rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior but for evil do you want to have no fear of authority then do what is good and you will have praise from the same. So I'll tell you, this chapter, as short as it is, probably brought me more conviction than any chapter we've read so far because I do something that I know most all of us do and that is I'll be running late and I'll go out and I'll go a few miles above the speed limit because I'm in a hurry, I want to get where I'm going and I want to be there on time and i don't make it on time speeding so what do you do? what does that tell you <laughs> now bar <laughs> so when we get into this you'll see why i think maybe all of us we do a little inner looking because we're in a place where the church i think and it says it in here is going to get wakened up we have some things we need to wake up to And uh, some of them are mentioned in this chapter. So Paul wrote this when uh, uh, Rome was really the capital, pretty much, of the whole Asia Minor region. And uh, it was the main government force at the time that Paul wrote this. So the people were very much aware of not only the governmental authorities but also the shame that was going on in Rome because of all of the idolatry and the things that the people were doing that was wrong. So they knew that there were like kind of like two kingdoms that they were battling, and Paul really brings that out in this particular uh, chapter. And so I think that this was written maybe AD 58 or something like that. That was uh, after Jesus had ascended and Rome had really grown into to quite a, a huge place, we went into this in the beginning of Romans. We talked a lot about all of the things that were in there. I loved that, so it was fun. But um, anyway, I, I I I always do these cross references. So a lot of times, it, especially in the Spirit filled Bible, you'll see along the column different. Uh, scriptures that they bring up to bring out what they're talking about so the ones that were mentioned the first one was colossians 1 13 and 14 but it talks about how god rescued us out of the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light and so um, then philippians 3 20, 21 talks about our citizenship which is in heaven that we also eagerly wait for the savior the lord jesus christ and, and I think that we're all in this where the, 20, the verse 21 says, he will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. I'm going to go into a story in a few minutes that I, I, I thought, oh my goodness, I never, you know, We'll go into it in just a minute. So um, Paul was really trying to make the people understand how important it is to honor the authorities and how important it was to give them whatever was due the government authorities. And then he comes around and he gives the reason why. Um, There actually is a correlation I found in this scripture between... uh, the Christians acting like Christians and submitting to authority, and then that having an effect on the salvation of others. So I'll read that. First Timothy 2, 1-7 through 7 is the cross-reference here, and it says, First of all, I urge that entreaties, prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men for kings who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth so he's bringing a correlation there between us being submissive to authority and that correlation of that having something to do with the salvation could you imagine if all of us decided to rebel against the governing authorities and and acted like some people we see out there on the <laughs> our world would be so chaotic it would be just it already is. But I mean, there is a segment of the world that, that, that God's principles are very, very, uh, well, they're seen. And that's what's winning people, honestly, to God. And we don't realize how important that is. So I just wanted to bring that up. So um, let's see. I don't want to read all of these. Okay, First Peter two thirteen through 14 says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. To every human institution or any king as one that is in authority, or to governors, hmm, as sent by him for the punishment of evil doers and the praise of those who do right, for such is the will of God. You know, one of the things that I kept thinking about, and you guys all know the story of David, how he would not touch God's anointed, no matter what. And look at all of the things Saul was doing to him, and yet he honored the position of the king, and he would not allow any of his men to do him harm. He had an opportunity at one time to cut the, well, in fact, he did, he took a, He tore part of the garment off of Saul and walked away. And then he was so condemned because of what he did uh, that he was just like, ah, but he realized how important it was to submit to authority. Now, this is where I said I've gone under a lot of conviction in going through this chapter because I say things about our governor <laughs> that probably shouldn't be said, or the
1: president,
0: <laughs> <laughs> or other governing authorities, because we're to honor that position not necessarily the people, but the, uh, we do need to honor that position. And the only time that we do not submit to them is when we know they're doing evil or they are trying to make us do evil. Yeah. And so, but I realized, man, I am not submitted to. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about the president. <laughs> I am certainly not, but I'll tell you what, I know that there is an office that we are to honor, and so we honor the office of the presidency, we honor any of the good things that he is doing, any of the, uh, what do you call them, the things that he signs and sends out, those, um, yeah, those executive orders, and some of them we may not agree with, uh, but if they're not evil, we honor what he does. And I'm thinking, God, I have not honored the office of the president. I haven't, I haven't honored the office of the governor here in Illinois. And I think that's why it's so hard for me to pray for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Do we really have to when the election was stolen? Is that really our president? Say that. Say that again. I think I missed what you actually said.
1: With our election was stolen, he's really not our president. Do we really have to honor it?
0: Um.
1: Doesn't the Bible say that we can be fruit inspectors, and if we're not seeing fruit?
0: Well, that, we know they are. We we know that they are his by their fruit. Uh, but there can be someone that is not his and still it appears that they have good intentions. You know what I'm saying? So, but I mean... Only God can separate. He knows the hearts of He knows the hearts of those that are running. I don't. I don't know their heart, but this is why Christians are really supposed to be ruling the nation, and we're not. Right, right. And so you hear a lot about the the seven avenues, the seven mountains that's in society, and it's it's family and it's entertainment and it's uh, all you know all of the things, education, everything that pertains to society. If Christians were running those, we probably wouldn't have near the issues that we have but in the meantime all the christians can do is stand up for what the truth is That's right. Yeah. you know and so how do we do that that's where i think that these marches these marches around the capitol where they are quietly protesting there's nothing wrong with that we're stating what we believe to be true which is okay it's when it goes into all the other stuff that we need to be careful What would you say? It's the attitude. Yeah, it's the attitude, because we're supposed to do it with honor. (laughs) That's the part we forget about, because we get, well, okay, so so here's the radicals that come against the Christians, and if the Christians aren't careful, guess what's going to happen? They're going to react to the radicals, and the first thing you know, there are going to be riots in the streets, right? And that's what we kind of experience, so.
1: Could I? footnote on my Bible uh-huh. about that. Uh-huh. The apostle points out that the orderly government is part of God's provision, even in a wicked world. No ruler exercises control except as God permits. Under normal circumstances, the Christian is to be obedient to the law of the land. This does not mean that he is to obey regulations that are immoral or anti Christian. In such cases, it is his duty to, do, to obey God rather than to obey man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I kind of had that coming on here, but that's all right. That's, you said it and you said it well. <laughs> is that the Spirit filled Bible?
1: This is N.I.D. I, I think it's N.I.D.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, I mean... It's
1: Schofield's study Bible.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and honestly, most of them do have a footnote that Mm -hmm. talks about this very thing of why we need to be submissive, Mm -hmm. but why, I mean, to rebel against the authority is to rebel against God, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, they are supposed to be there for the good of the people. Mm-hmm. which some of them are not, and we know that. So, <laughs> But the story I was going to go into, and, and this is, it's kind of long. I won't read the, all of these scriptures, but it's a story of uh, Nebuchadnezzar and uh, how he had this dream. It's in uh, Daniel chapter 4 if you want to read it on your own because it's really a fascinating story. And in light of what Pastor Je- uh, Barry is um, teaching right now, of course when I was talking when he was talking about his vision the first thing I thought about was that's what Barry was teaching on on Sunday about hearing God through visions but anyhow Nebuchadnezzar had this vision and uh, in this vision there was a tree that was in the midst of the earth and its height was really high and the tree grew in size and became strong and uh, its height reached to the sky and it was visible to the ends of the whole earth. Its foliage was beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the sky dwelled in its branches, and all living creatures fed themselves from it." So if you had a vision like that, what would you think it said? When I first read it, I thought, hmm, that's interesting, what does that mean? Well, then it talks about this angelic watcher, this holy one that was the descendant from heaven and he shouted out, chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its foliage and scatter its fruit. Let the beast flee from under it and the birds from its branches. Yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground. And let let him be drenched with dew of heaven and let him share with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let a beast's mind be given to him and let seven periods of time pass over him. (laughs) You know, you shake your head and you think, what on earth? And then it says this sentence is by the decree of the angelic watchers and the decision is a command of the holy one in order that the living may know that the most high is rule over and the realm of mankind and he bestows it on whom he wishes and he sets over it the lowliest of men so here was all this dream and the what the watchers said and so nobody could Uh, interpret that dream and so Nebuchadnezzar called for Belshazzar which was Daniel and Daniel came and interpreted this dream and so uh, when he tells him talks to uh, Nebuchadnezzar he says this is you that this dream is about because his kingdom was all-encompassing at that time he was one of the most dynamic and the people highly regarded him in fact they almost idolized him which was one of the things that was causing all of these issues so daniel said um, uh, seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the most high is ruler over the realm of mankind and that he bestows it on whomever he wishes and so uh, Daniel was trying trying to tell him that uh, it was the angelic people that are the angelic watchers. I'd love to know what that's all about. I don't know about you guys, but some of these things so intrigue me spiritually. And I don't know how you find it out. I guess just wait upon the Lord and stay in his presence and ask him to reveal things. But these things are fascinating to me. And I can't find enough information in these commentaries to get what I want to know. So anyway, uh, 12 months later, now here this didn't come to pass right away, 12 months later, uh, Belshazzar was walking on the roof of the royal palace and he was reflecting over his kingdom. He said, is this not Babylon the great which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power? and for the glory of my majesty. And while those words were still in his mouth, (laughs) uh, I thought that was interesting. While the words were still in his mouth, let me see if I can find where I just left my, all right. A voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar to you it is declared sovereignty has been removed from you so immediately he became beast-like in his mind and it says that his hair grew out and it was like feathers that covered him and so the dew went over he drenched his body and his nails were like bird's claws (laughs) Now I'm thinking, wow, what a judgment to come on somebody. But he was full of pride. He called that his kingdom, not God's kingdom. So anyway, after seven years, and I think we need to take note that the the number seven means complete. That's what God is complete. His number seven means something is completed. So a lot of times... That's why the number eight means new new beginning is because after the seven becomes eight and then that's the new beginning. So I thought, wow, isn't that something? But after the uh, end of the seven years, the reasoning came back to his mind and he realized the glory of God. And he said, I raised my eyes towards heaven my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him who lives forever. I thought, oh, whatever, learn a hard lesson like that. But the Bible does say pride comes before a fall. And pride is being taken out of all of us, okay? We're born with that prideful nature. And that is something that we all, because we live, everything's about us. And so we live in that little bubble of us being king. And so that has to be taken out of us so that truly God will be the king and the Lord of our lives. So anyway, let's go on then to Romans 13. This is what I was, you was reading out of your footnotes. Romans 13:4 and five says, "For it," meaning the governing authority, is a minister of God to you for good, but if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear a sword for nothing, for it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be into subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. Because rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. I think, and I was saying this earlier, I think sometimes we forget that all of these leaders and authority figures are truly a gift from God, and they are his way of orchestrating a government of of uh, peace here on earth and so you can see how far off it has gotten <laughs> it has gotten way off because we've had evil rulers and because of evil rulers things go awry so another thing i wanted to mention in there and i never had thought too much about this before And I remember when my husband and I went in to file taxes, I was complaining and murmuring about everything you could even think of. I mean, there was all kinds of things that I wasn't happy about. I've never had to do that before. (laughs) And I kept thinking, oh, good Lord, they take out this and they take out that and this. is." So God got my attention and he told me, because the governing authorities are by him, and for him, and for the kingdom he set up here on earth, then I need to honor that, and I need to pay taxes with the right attitude. (laughs) So, I've had some attitude adjustments. (laughs) Oh my goodness. But one thing that I thought was interesting is, um, you know, we're supposed to let love be our motivation in everything that we do. And I'll tell you, that takes conscious effort to say, God, let my attitude be right in everything that I do. Don't let me go off on a tangent and I'm living a totally different life than what I ever thought I would be living right now. And I mean, the trials are really great in that area where my attitudes are concerned. And so I think that what God is trying to do with us is to get our attention so that we do take note of who we are and act like God wants us to act instead of reacting all of the time boy i didn't realize how re- well yes i did i knew because god's dealt with it before in my life but isn't it interesting how reactive we are we just immediately want to react so okay um, so when we get to romans thirteen eight through 10 paul is pretty uh pretty much stressing that we owe nothing to anyone except to love one another for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. And then he goes on in verse 9 and he says, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And I thought, how come he didn't mention all 10 of the commandments? <laughs> I'm always asking questions. Why wouldn't <laughs> And then I got to thinking about it. And these are the ones that really involve relationship. So, sort of like the social part of the Ten Commandments is right here, and I, I looked them up, and, and uh, they are the seventh commandment, which says, "Do not commit adultery," and the sixth, which says, "Do not murder," and the eighth that says, "Do not steal," steal, and the tenth that says, "Do not covet your neighbor's goods." And they do, they did it in that order, which I thought was interesting too. So, anyway, the only way that we're ever going to re- meet the requirements of the law, and we all know this. It's through Jesus, because without Him, the, the, what do I want to call it? The gift of righteousness is at work in us the moment we say yes to Jesus. So that gift is always working. I want to almost call that our conscience, because it, it really could be our conscience, that gift of righteousness. And so that gift of righteousness is always trying to work against the evil. And so, boy, sometimes we've got to make a choice whether or not we're going to walk in life or we're going to walk in death. God says, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, so choose life. And that life is where the blessings all are. And it's not going to be through us ever. It's going to always be through the Holy Spirit, through who we are in Christ Jesus. That's where we need to walk. That's where we need to abide. That's where we need to identify. And so... Um, one of the common things that I'm, I'm bumping into uh, a lot of times in counseling sessions is that we forget that we're like two individuals. And I mean it's easy because we live inside this human body and so we identify with our humanness more than we identify with who we are in the spirit. And so it's like okay how do I do this? How do I get to the place where I quit identifying and responding and acting out of my human nature and I begin to act and, and respond to life and life situations out of who I am in the spirit? Well, it takes the Holy Spirit because <laughs> I have tried and tried and tried and tried to be better. And what we do is we keep bumping against the old human nature, which is under the law. And the law is what always keeps wanting to amplify sin. And so this is why Jesus came to destroy the religious system. Because the religious system is set up on all the do's and the don'ts. It's not, re- it's not set up on God's grace. And so he was always trying to expose those spiritual leaders because they was trying to put everybody under the law. You can't do this, you can't do that you know, well, if you do this and this is gonna happen. And look what happened even to Jesus, the one perfect person, and all of the disciples were pointing their finger at him because of the things that he did that they said were illegal or unlawful. Ah, it makes, I know that that has to be the biggest challenge in the body today is the religious spirit because it's so full of the do's and the don'ts and you should do this and you shouldn't do that. And unfortunately, many churches are seeped in it because they think that's what righteousness is all about and it isn't. My righteousness is not dependent upon the law that I cannot keep, it is dependent upon the faith I walk in the one who gave me life. Yes, amen Amen. Oh. Okay. God, get that in our spirits, get it in our hearts, get it in our mind, get it in your churches. God, downpour that revelation because that's where freedom is. The other is slavery. How many of us have been under the slavery of that taskmaster of the law where we just... And so what does the enemy do? He torments us constantly with all of the sin that's in our lives. Does that make sense? And God says, he's done away with sin consciousness. Well, he did, but we haven't. (laughs) Oh, The finished work of the cross. If you can ever find a way to study thoroughly on that, I really ask you to do it because it is the most freeing study you'll ever find. Look and see what all was accomplished when Jesus died. Psalm 103 is a good one to start out with, and then you can branch out from that. All of the benefits that we have simply because Jesus died for us. I mean, you talk about taking all the debt of everything away. We have nothing. We can't pay God back for anything. It, debt-free. You talk about the free gift. That's where freedom is. We have no clue. We haven't even begun to walk in the freedom God's called us to walk in. Did you have something? No, she's,
1: she's
0: oh, are you cold? <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, well, we talked a lot about the law, so I'm not going to go into that too much, but <clears throat> there's a lot to be said in the, in the Bible about it. Uh, even in the Old Testament, in Leviticus 19, it says, uh, You shall not hate your fellow countrymen in your heart. You may surely reprove your neighbor, but you shall not incur sin in that reproving you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people but you shall love your neighbor as yourself i am the lord this commandment is in the old testament it's in the old testament as well as the new love the lord with all your heart and then you will love one another so there's um, a fulfilling of the law that comes through love isn't that interesting if we can operate in god's love not human love if we can operate in god's love there's no law there because if you truly love someone with god's love you're not going to lie to them you're not going to deceive them you're not going to do anything to harm them i mean everything's pretty much covered and so the whole emphasis almost on the rest of this chapter is the love. It's all about love. And now I think that that word gets thrown around so much that we don't we don't respect and honor that word as much as maybe we should. But I feel like the body as a whole and I'm saying not the people here, of course. They do not know the love of God and they don't even know how to respond back to Him in love. And that's sad to me because that's where everything is. If you feel like you are not able to really love God in the way that you feel like you should, make that a prayer. I know for years and years that was one of my prayers. God, cause me to love you more. I, didn't, I don't know where I got that prayer. I don't think somebody told me to do that because what I could see in my own life and still do, and I still pray that prayer, is that uh, I could see that when I disobeyed God or I did something I shouldn't do, that my love wasn't perfect in Him at all. And that's what He's after he wants to perfect the love he has in us so we will not ever have any fear wow perfect love it casts out all fear it casts out any fear you might have of sickness it, anything that might happen in the future it casts out all fear of anything that you can even think of as far as fear is concerned Because our worst enemy is us and our own lack of um, confidence in ourselves. Either that or we we depend too much on ourselves and we find out we don't have it. But if my confidence is not coming because of who God says I am and because of God's abilities in me, guess what? I'm going to be trying to do it in my own strength. And I'm set up to fail. I'm just going to tell you, you're set up to fail whenever you do it in your own strength. So that was a little rabbit trail. Okay. All right. Well, Mark, I'll just give you these. You can look them up later. I'm not going to read the whole one. But in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus is, is addressing the disciples there, and he's t- telling them to love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole soul, with your whole mind. Isn't that convicting? <laughs> How much of me, God, do you not have? How much of me, God? And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments. All of the law and all of the prophets hang on those two commandments. That's a lot of weight, guys, to say in it. They saying that. And then Mark 12, 28 through one, uh, 20, 31, I'm sorry. It's the same one, it's the same scripture, but it just says, there is no commandment greater than those two, so. All right, and then Galatians five fourteen through 15 says, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Wow, love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you may destroy one another. Gossip. Jealousy. There's all kinds of things that we could deal with there. One thing that I see very strongly, even in the body of Christ, is competition. There shouldn't be any competition in the body of Christ. There's not one person that is any greater than another. We all are gifted different, but if I look at your gift and I think, oh, she's way up there, I'm way down here. No, God does not see us that way. And when we uh, can look at one another and know it's the same Holy Spirit, it's the same God, it's the same, we are all one body, but we just are different parts, then we can accept one another's differences and yet honor and submit one to the other. And this is something I think we're gonna hear a lot more of in the body of Christ. It's got to happen. Because it's where the unity is that God commands the blessing. And the unity, we've had tremendous unity here. I think our church probably is one of the most unified churches that I know of, honestly. I don't hear gossip. Maybe I'm just not in the right circle, but I don't hear it. Do you ever hear it, Janice, really? I don't either, I don't hear gossip. I don't hear someone bad mouthing anybody else. There's a lot of respect and honor in this church body, which makes me very thankful to be here so yeah, so uh, we need to let we need to let that show to other people so it becomes something that's contagious <laughs> so anyway, okay. Then let's go on here. Um, As Paul was expressing this love that fulfills the Mosaic law, um, I I put down Romans 8, 3 through 4 because it, it says it so well. It says, What the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did it by sending Jesus. He condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the Spirit. So, there again, that division between our two parts, our natural man and our spiritual man, it's right there. And God wants us to learn how to walk in the Spirit. And if we have the idea that walking in the Spirit means being, we're off. <laughs> i can remember when i came into the baptism of the holy spirit and i saw all of the gifts in operation there was a lot of manifestations that i thought hmm if i don't have these manifestations then maybe i'm not really receiving what they're receiving or getting what they're getting and so we've got to let the manifestations go okay because we don't measure someone's spirituality by manifestations. A lot of people, like they, they'll see Heidi Baker. Has anybody watched Heidi Baker? <laughs> Heidi <laughs> Baker, yes. And and she has that, when the Holy Spirit hits her, she has this, and it happens to other people. I've seen it happen in the healing rooms where the Holy Spirit hits and somebody might do something different. Okay, I don't get those manifestations. And so if I if I were to measure myself by watching somebody else, I'm gonna think, oh gee they're they're more spiritual than i am i don't have what they have and we've got to quit doing that guys every one of us have been qualified by only one thing and that is by the holy spirit of god almighty he did it we're all qualified there's not one person here that is disqualified if you are disqualified guess who did it <laughs> and we disqualify ourselves now that is not humility, I'm just telling you that. Just because we disqualify ourselves does not mean that's humility. In fact, many times you're gonna find it, it's hidden pride. Because in your eyes, there's something that's on the inside of us that is wanting that grandeur, that's wanting the, the lauding and all of that. So we compare ourselves, and so we down ourselves, and we think that that's false. Well, actually, we, it is false humility is what it is. Because only God knows the heart. So. Well, we're almost done, so we can have lunch early. Um, so this is what I believe God is saying that walking in love is something that should be a constant thing. It shouldn't be something that we just show when we feel like it. You know, sometimes I feel like showing love to the dog, and other times I won't kick him. I'm not saying you have to show love to a dog, but I was using that as an example. But... Um, Do I kick him? (laughs) No. But it is, it's something, we can choose love. This is something that I think a lot of people struggle with sometimes, is we truly can choose love. I do not have to allow my physical body, my humanity, or my fallen nature to take a hold of me again. I don't have to do that. I can choose, I can choose to behave and act differently. And this is where we gotta sometimes do some self-talk. I don't know if anybody else does self-talk. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Barb. Sometimes I forget. I had some
1: ladies say one to me. Excuse me. I'm so sorry, I'm just defied myself. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, and my yeah, husband yeah. said, yeah. did you <laughs> say
0: that? Yeah, one of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, self-talk, I mean, really, self-talk yeah. is something that, and we need to do it. Sometimes we need to, it, we need to get tough with ourselves. Yeah. We really do. I don't mean in, in the sense <laughs> that we take on condemnation because we're not to do that. But tough with, on ourselves in the sense that don't just let some stuff go. Take care of it when it happens. Like, and and I'm I'm really learning. <laughs> I I wish I could say I have it. I don't, but uh, and I use my husband as an example because right now I'm learning how to live with somebody that has dementia, and my life is just changed. and And I've got to learn how not to react to him. I need to know, you know, he can't help where he's at. He can't help what's going on with him. But I'll tell you what, my human nature sometimes just gets so, like, I've heard this a thousand times. Or trying to explain something, and they're clear on a different wavelength. And you're trying to bring them back to where they can understand what you're saying. And it's so simple to you, but it's not to them.
2: The thing about this, once you explain it to them then, and it might be okay for a while there, but then they're going to fall right back. (laughs) And then you have to oh. do it all over again. I know with mom it was like, Oh my goodness. And you know, I'd really get upset and I'd start screaming and howling and Greg she's looking at me like, Well, what did I do to mom now? Yeah You know, and I yeah. would say, Barb you have gotta quit doing that. She doesn't yeah. Doesn't
0: yeah.
2: realize what she's doing and what she's saying. She didn't I know she's trying to get her to do. Uh huh. And I mean Oh, ask Laura Ray. I mean, it was really hard. And then I finally, I thought, okay, you know, I can't keep doing this. I'm just gonna have to accept the way she Beating is. Her. And yeah, yeah I mean, well, it's 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 almost like okay, here's my mother. Well, she's still alive now. She'd be 101, and she's only been dead what two years. I don't like so, that. So I mean, I would just let her say and do what she wanted to do. And I'd sit there and I'd think, okay, now how am I going to handle this? You know, um, because she got to the point, um, you can't get, her, you couldn't really get. It was even getting hard to get her to eat. And Greg says, Barb, we just have to let her go. Mm-hmm. But the decisions you have to make and what they do to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I finally realized. I can't do anything about it. I just have to let go of it, and I have to, and I have to let, let go of her.
0: Yeah. And that's and that's the right attitude, and that's the attitude. Nobody knew. I mean, like like Dick doesn't have any idea most of the time that I'm upset. Mm-hmm. It, but it's an internal battle, and the internal battle is just as bad as if it was being expressed outwardly and so that's why we need to stop and give what give what's going on that the enemy's trying to do with us give it to God at that moment instead of letting it just it does eat at you. Grind because so many times that's what happens. We'll it'll we'll get irritated and that irritation grows into a grudge and the grudge grows into resentment and it goes on and on and on until pretty soon you can have some pretty bad attitudes. And I think that a lot of marriages that's what happens. They just you know they just start. I know people now that are just living together uh, and barely tolerating one another, living in the same household. And I'm thinking. It doesn't have to be that way, you know. There could be, it could be so much different. So um, this, is my conc- this is my conclusion. I feel like, and, and this is at the end of the chapter here, but um, I feel like all of us are kind of living below what God has for us. We just are if we were in the place that God is trying to bring the church and bring the body, that's when we're going to begin to see Him be what He is. He's going to manifest in a a dynamic way. And He is. He's going to. I want to be around when He does. So, what I feel like he's doing, and and it's and I've heard it prophesied, is the shaking is going on. The shaking's going on in our nation. That's going on in us individually, and we need to pay attention. A lot of the stuff that's going out on out there has nothing to do with the with with what God is going to do eventually, because His plan's already made out. It's already been decided in heaven. Now we might be able to hasten it or or whatever through our prayers, but the the declaration of heaven has already been declared. we are just trying to move into it, and that's why so much shaking is going on because God's going to expose things that have been hidden and they're already starting to happen. You know, yeah. you watch the news, you can, Amen. there's a lot of things being exposed and being brought to light. And I pray for Christian leadership. We need to really pray that all of these offices and all of these government, uh, uh, all of this, we just need it, even down to the school systems and everything. Yeah. Yeah. We need godly people in those positions to, because I, it, everything is off. I don't care where you go or where you look. Everything is off. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Good is evil. Evil is good. It's like, what happened? Yeah, it's true. So the last, the last verse uh, that we had, and it's um, Romans thirteen fourteen. the last part of that says, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. So i got that on my refrigerator. <laughs> so today I put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does that mean to you? Does that mean, do you just go through something and just put something on? I ask him to be in my thoughts. I ask him to be in everything I do. I ask him to be in my motivation. I ask him to be everything pertaining to my day. You be in it, God, you be in me so that I can be expressing you instead of my fallen nature. So, I mean, that's just a simple prayer, but God honors it. And so you're gonna go through some things because dying to the flesh is not fun it's ouchy. We go through we go through a time of suffering, but the suffering is well worth it because we come through on the other side, one thing for sure, we have more perseverance, we have more patience, we have we just there's a more quietness in our soul. I love that song, All Is Well With My Soul. And you know when it's all well with your soul. There's a peace. And not only that, there is an inner joy. Even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of all the other stuff that's going on, there's an inner joy that is based upon your relationship with God, not on circumstances. My circumstances don't line up most of the time with who I believe I am in the Lord Jesus Christ. My circumstances don't. But what am I allowing those circumstances to do? Am I allowing them to work the rough edges off of me? Am I allowing those circumstances to teach me what I need to know? Because when we go through a trial, and I I learned this from another person, but they said, ask God what you're supposed to learn while you're in the midst of this, rather than getting so upset over everything that is happening. God, what am I supposed to learn from this? What are you trying to teach me? What do I need to know? Because so much of the time, that isn't where we're at. We're murmuring, we're complaining, we don't like what's going on, we want all the circumstances to change, we want out of whatever's going on with us. You know, what am I to learn in the midst of this? Because we're all in the school of the Spirit, all of us are. So are we learning our lessons or are we just gathering information? (laughs) <laughs> so anyway I won't go in the rest of these scriptures I don't I don't think they're necessary but I yeah, it all has they, all the rest of these scriptures have to do with laying aside our old self and uh, putting on the new self that is being renewed in Christ and all of us have been baptized into Christ and we have clothed ourselves with him and uh, I like this one uh, this is in Romans 8 9, and it says, you are not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. And what that actually means is we are to relate, act out of, and be in, to, in that who we are in Christ Jesus, not, not the old man. So... Okay, and then the last one is First John 2.10, and it says, The one who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. So I want to just close with prayer, and Father, I just thank you for your word. And God, I ask that the word that was given today, that it will be working mightily in each one of us, that God, your will be done you say that your your word is a sword a double two-edged sword that it divides that it puts asunder between our soul our spirit our natural man our spiritual man god we give you permission i believe i'm speaking for everyone in here we give you permission to do that work of transformation in each one of us that, God, we will be walking in the spirit and not in the flesh, that we will be giving you the glory and the honor that is due your name, that we will once again be in that place, God, where we see your glory. We see the wonder of who you are and that, God, we will not be satisfied with anything less. So, Father, we just thank you for today. We just, I I speak blessings over every person who was here And God, we do give you the glory for all that you are and all that you have done, all that you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen.